millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The year is with Red and Bobby. Hey, Redophiles! Welcome to the Year Is Podcast, the podcast where every episode, me, comedian Bobby Mayer, and my co-host, comedian... Red Richardson. We travel back to a year in history. We talk about the weirdest, the most interesting, and the strangest things from that year. Hello. Hello. It's a hot day outside. We're inside doing the podcast. It starts like that, Red, that makes yeah, you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how is this podcast not global? I know, I know, it should be, but it's not. And then afterwards, we're uh, doing, uh, getting ready to do our Edinburgh live show. Yeah, that's what people might not know, that we, it's a huge announcement. We are do if you like the Year Is podcast, and you like comedy, and you're going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and you think, oh, I'm going to see Bobby and Red... Who are both performing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? Details easily available online. Yeah. Uh, but what about the year is podcast? We'll it, be doing it live. Yeah, we'll be doing it live. But I don't know if I'm free that day. Yeah, guess what? It's for five days. Yeah. Is that is that a a bit much on our part to try to do five live shows? Probably during the busiest Fringe Festival. Yeah, it's a bit much. Is it the room too big? Mm-hmm. for our shows yes yeah it's way too big that's why we need you also we're doing one in london in october i can't remember the exact date but yeah 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 it'll but be in victoria we'll anyway. focus on edinburgh first yes, edinburgh okay. if you're going to the edinburgh fringe festival you gotta go on the app and you gotta we're at maggie's chamber from uh the 21st to the 25th i think it's around five o'clock mm-hmm. you can check the app check yeah. the, the app is key the ed fringe app or it'll be on our socials in a day or two. Yeah, when this comes out. So just come. Yeah, you know? please do because we've already wasted enough money on that godforsaken shithole month that is the Edinburgh Fringe. People might not know the Edinburgh Fringe Festival costs a lot of money. Costs yeah. loads. You make nothing back. It's almost pointless now because you're just trying to get a TV job, but no one watches TV anymore. So we just want to go viral off this, so we don't ever have to do it again. So please, just just do something for us. <laughs> It's such a pathetic story. I know. It's no, not good, isn't it? Some people can promote things, though, and not sound pathetic. I don't yeah. know how to do that. Well, they, they're good at it. The Joe Rogan podcast, I don't think, has ever started like this. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but th- three minutes in, the, there is a guy being like, yeah, and then, and then I said to that chimp, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, they're just yeah. Like, we need more of that. Yeah. We need it's more stories of that about to, people to meeting up. monkeys. Um, yeah, so that's it. Um, we had a late start today. Bobby uh, forgot his house key. Okay, so... Yesterday, by the time this comes out, it'll be just a memory of this. Yesterday was Father's Day. Fathers, fathers get celebrated once a year. I think it should be a week. It's a day. Yeah. And as a new father, I was excited to have a whole day. It should be a month. Yeah, a month. It should be six months. Half the year <laughs> like is Father's Black Day. Black History Month. <laughs> father's Day Month. <laughs> um, we went out for dinner, me and Harriet, mm-hmm. for Father's Day. And uh, at the end, I said, are you going to pay? 
and she was so annoyed, and then I paid. Of course. And then as we're leaving, she was like, you know, it really ruins the date when you ask for me to pay. Yeah. And I was like, it's Father's Day. Yeah, this is it's my, my day. day. Appreciating and, and she had forgot it was my day and apologized. Well, the rapper Ice-T did a tweet yesterday saying... Father's Day is basically my family taking me out for a big dinner and making me pay a massive bill, and it fucking sucks. And I thought, yep, fair enough. Well, I mean, Ice-T, what do you want? You, It's yeah. not like, I doubt he's encouraging his wife to get a job. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. she works, but like... Also, shout out to all the fathers who, uh, the kids don't have addresses for them, so they don't even get any cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a guy out there with 15 kids. He's, he's conveniently made it so they don't know where he is. And, and he, it's a hard day for him. It is, because he doesn't his, receive any cards. His neighbors are celebrating. Yeah, he wants the cards. He doesn't want the kids. So yeah. maybe we could start a, a center, a depot, where you send your estranged father a card, and he can come and read them. I have an estranged father. I forgot. Oh, yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah, so I've never met my biological father. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't think of it as my, like, it's not like I'm a daddy. Mm-hmm. But I... Oh, if he knows I exist, I wonder if yesterday was hard for him. Did our IQ test when we did that ever make you think maybe my dad's Elon Musk? Uh, more Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah, okay. More yeah. like we're more intellectuals yeah. than like doers, you know? Well, Amber Heard could have been your stepmom. That would have been nice. <laughs> I think we're the same age. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know how that's possible. Well, if she married Elon Musk, you know, or, or Stephen Hawking, well, he's dead. Oh, stepmom. Yeah, like, step-mom. I thought you were yeah, yeah. mother. <laughs> no, stepmom. <laughs> I actually think I'm older than Amber Heard. It would be weird if I'm like, you are my mother. Yeah. I'm two years older than you, Amber. But no, it could be uh, could be one of the big players out there. That'd be great. I've dreamed about that. Yeah. I don't even want to, I don't have any urge to have a relationship, really. Mm. Like with, It's not like I'm like, I need a daddy. Yeah. It's like, that would just be one more person to call and have annoying small talk mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. It'll take be... you to uh, Frank Amanka once a oh. year. They'd be like, oh, we should go to the Bahamas and catch up on lost times. And I'd be like, I'm going to have to walk a beach with you unless you talk well, that about... that sounds all right. Yeah, but it'd be so... Just getting to know someone new. This Have you ever made... A... Have you made any new friends lately? Um, Not for ages, I Yeah, because mean. it's boring. Yeah, you don't need any new ones. No. I sort of now am at the point in my life and you see someone new and you go, he's all right, but nah. You know, yeah. I've got enough. Well, I just make it sound like I've got loads of friends. I have a small, you know, I don't really need a load of mates. You have a lot of WhatsApp groups. I'm in a lot of WhatsApp groups, yeah. But I, I, I avoid these WhatsApp groups. Yeah. But you you dive in. Oh, I do. It's a lot of fun. We send uh, screenshots. We watch TikToks of people. You should You should start a podcast where you just read out messages from WhatsApp groups, and then people can guess who said the message. Yeah, but if I did that, I'd lose my career, my family. No, but you record like 30 episodes of the podcast mm. before you release any. Yeah, so yeah. So okay. you totally, every person in your life, you totally ruin them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you say, hey, I'm going to release this podcast. When I'm dead. Would you like to sponsor it? And then uh, the guy says, why would I sponsor your podcast? We're both comedians. And you say, well, if you don't, I won't edit out this clip of you saying... That word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that could be a hit. You could blackmail all your friends for money. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a big celebrity WhatsApp group that they're terrified will get busted. Yeah. I I, I never type anything I wouldn't say in person. 
Mm, I need to do that. Like Tony Soprano, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I only insult other people. You drive to a payphone and then go, have you seen his new comedy special? It sucks. Yeah, I'll say it while standing in a pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. no mics around. <laughs> Jacuzzi. <clears throat> yeah, no, very smart. I love that about the mafia. At some mm. point they realize they just stand in the middle of a pool because you can't put a microphone in a pool. Yeah, but now they're fucked. You know what I mean? There'll be some kid making a TikTok or someone taking a selfie while they're just trying to shoot someone under a bridge. It must be a lot harder. A lot harder. To commit crime. You've got to be a cyber criminal now. So gone are the days of the tough Tony Sopranos. Now the new dons are like these acne-ridden basement dwellers. It'd be so hard now to kill more than one person. Mm. Like, you just have to... The easiest way to, like... If you're like someone who has a hankering to kill, Mm. the best way, I think, is just to get into government, you know? You're like, I can't do it directly, but my policies yeah, have caused kill. the death of a couple thousand over the course of years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's more like bureaucratic murder. Yeah, yeah. But like actually just going and bludgeoning someone and then wanting to bludgeon someone else, there's a mm. lot of eyes on you. No yeah, matter yeah, where yeah. you go. Yeah, so instead of being a serial killer, you just get a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just defund the NHS to yeah, the yeah. point that everyone dies. Yeah, and you don't get to like see the faces of your victims. Mm. But you get to, you know, they would have lasted longer if not for me. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the thing the other day about the um, Times article where they took the the uh, story out? So some people got the printed version that was Boris offered Carrie a um, uh, like hundred and ten grand a year fake job. Yeah, but I think so. Some of the Times articles had it in them, and some didn't because they went and grabbed them and got it out. So they could be like, they got it out. There is an option that they got it out because they're like, right, we couldn't actually clarify this so they could sue for defamation. Or it's true and, you know. Or Murdoch owns the Times. I didn't know that. Do you not? No. He owns everything. Naughty, naughty Rupert. Sky, I think he still owns. No, he doesn't. Is he sold it? Okay. I hope he buys this podcast. Yeah, I do as well. I'd really change my tune if if Murdoch had this podcast. I'd be like, Mm. you know. I see him as a grandfather figure. If Saudi Arabia bought this podcast, I'd change this tune. Change the tune. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a big right now in golf. There's a big mm. uh, outcry mm. because uh, golfers have been offered hundreds of millions of dollars to mm. play in a Saudi Arabian golf league. Take it, and they have. And yeah. then everyone's angry because it's like fracturing professional golf and being like they in press conferences. There's a press conference. Uh, where these British golfers, Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter, mm. were being interviewed, and they said, will you uh, play in a golf league funded by, by Vladimir Putin? <laughs> and then they were like, I can't answer this. It's a That's a speculation. Meaning yes. And then they were like, would you play in um, South Africa during apartheid? And it's like, these are white golfers. Yeah, of, yeah, course of course they yeah, of would. Course. Of course. They supported apartheid up until like three months ago. Yeah. Is Tiger Woods doing it? No, he was offered almost a billion dollars to do it. And he said no. He said no, because he, well, he already has a billion. Yeah, but then billionaires don't usually mind getting another billion. It's kind of their but thing. But his legacy, you know, is all Yeah, connected. but from his perspective, you go, he wasn't even allowed on the same golf course as white people to the 80s. So he's like, fuck you guys. No, he doesn't see it that way. No, well, the good for him. That's great. His wife must be like, so now you decide to have principles. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's his ex-wife. Yeah, I know. He's Which got a girlfriend Ellen now. Nordigan. She got so much money, and uh, I think I think that ended happily. Do you know what I mean? Well, they live in mansions beside Yeah, she each got other. like 300 million. You know, so fucking just what? 
is that bad? Everyone's like, oh, it's poor wife. I'm like, really? I don't, well, I mean, what is this what we're going to... So if Harriet was left no. you and you got 300 mil, Fred, would you expect me to feel sorry for you? So when you went into the Boris Johnson thing, I thought, by the time this comes out, yeah, I'm not sure how relevant it's going to be. Yeah, but now what you're doing is dissecting a ten-year-old yeah. news story that has no relevance. Okay, so Bobby, um, the whole premise of this podcast has no relevance. No, but that's the about whole when we, point when of this podcast is year. we go back ages and it's talk about, about something that's that already year. been hashed up. We haven't up. went to the year yet. We okay. haven't got so the when time we machine. finally do like 1939, and I bring up Hitler. You're going to go, oh, you hack? Why are you bringing up Hitler? I wouldn't call you a hack. You I have would just say it's been covered. Okay, well, there's a fucking fly that won't leave me alone. Go away. But did you wash today? Yeah, of course I wash every day. Um, know what I want to do? What? Because you love to wash and you hate being dirty so much. Mm -hmm. I want to do a, a, a crowdfunder mm -hmm. where we get money and um, the money goes to charity the, the less you wash. Okay. So if you, you have to like, like a... Like a the Not homeless a shelter month. will get a thousand pounds if you don't wash for a month. Would mm. you do that? Or I could just have homeless people use my bath. Be nicer. You'd hate that so much. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not going to say on air, but I wouldn't be uh, up for it. Um, <laughs> you just did. <laughs> wow. Anyway, let's go back in time, Bobby. Uh, okay. Do you want to do the thing? No, we don't have to do it. You don't like it. Do you mix? You're happy. Okay. You can do it. Bobby, uh, get get in the time machine. Make sure you put your seatbelt on because we go really fast. Jody, how are the controls looking back there? Looking right on, Red. Go okay, where are we going, Bo uh, Jody? We are going to 1971, a suggestion by my friend Ben, who found some interesting things. So, Well, thank yeah. you, Ben. Wow, where are we? We're in 1971. It looks pretty weird outside. What's happened to my iPhone? I no longer have it. It's turned into a very large old computer. <laughs> Is that even 71? I don't think so. You don't think they had computers in 1971? No, I don't think so, did they? Unless you worked in like a space station. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm in a space station. What the hell's going on? Okay, look, this is not working because you're not playing ball. Um, I, I let you do it. That's... I know, but I need, I need some, you know, playing back. It's like if I was acting Star Wars with you and you're going, why are you holding that? What, what is that, you know? It's a lightsaber. Okay, where are we? What's a light, you know? You've got to play along. In 1971, Evil Knievel set a world record and jumped 19 cars on a motorbike. That's very impressive. Yeah, but how do you get to that point? You start with one. Probably he grew up in somewhere with loads of burnt out cars, I'm assuming. His dad was good at fixing stuff. He was good at fixing stuff. Started razzing around. Did one. It's like drugs. You know, you do one, you need more and more and more every time. Suddenly there's 19 of them. I want to look up this guy's injuries because... Yeah, didn't he, like, break every bone in his body possible or something? It was insane. Ontario, California. I thought Ontario was in Canada. Is it, What's the place in Canada that sounds like Ontario? It's the same word, and it's Ontario. Ontario, okay. 
Paraguay? <laughs> no. Paraguay is a place. It's a beautiful country. I'm looking it up now. The problem is with this topic is by the time this comes out, this will be like 50 years old. <laughs> Red. Go on. Okay. As an example, in 1975 at Wembley Stadium, um, he suffered broken ribs, a broken hip, and a crushed pelvis. Mm. And spent 29 days in hospital. Yeah. Like, that's one jump that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a successful jump. Yeah. I'm sure most of them just ended. Because imagine going and queuing and paying to see it, and you just watch this man break his whole body. That's what you want. Ow, ow, ow. Well, you'd rather that than see the land. Because, well, the thing about paying to see it is it takes 20 seconds. Yeah. So, like, there's going to have to be some build-up. Like, you'd 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 have to have, like... Some strippers, mm. you know, some kind of like, some kind of clowns doing a dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd you, be some music. Some music, a band. I'm assuming he had the American national anthem play at some point. I think he loved America. Yeah. yeah. He had that cape, didn't he? Yeah. Are you like a risk taker? Not really, no. What about you? Well, no. But what? what's the... What's the scariest thing you've done? Hmm. I don't know. I don't do many risky things, to be honest. Never. Not really. I don't do many. I, you know, I'd never, I used to jump off rocks into water when I was younger. I suppose wading through the water in Thailand when there's box <laughs> jellyfish around. Pretty scary stuff. So you're the scariest thing you've done. Is putting your feet in the water in yeah, Thailand. Yes, yes. I don't there wouldn't be a program made about me. It'd be quite boring. So so you like if they made a documentary about the scariest day of your life, it would be I walked into the water. There could have been a jellyfish. Or there been, wasn't. I've been on some hairy night buses. That could be a doc. Red Richardson on some hairy night buses. What did you do? You just sit there while these fucking animals throw up and fight each other and throw shit around and play music out loud on their phones. You must have had that coming back from gigs. I have, but I I just, I didn't have it ranked in my mind as one of the scariest events of my life. Well, what what do you do? I just don't, because I, you know, I want to limit the chance of, you know, injury. I've never broken a bone in my body, knock on wood. That's never. No, I broke my nose, actually. But I've never broken an arm, anything like that. So what's the scariest thing you've done? I was on a plane once. Mm-hmm. We had turbulence. I smell a lie. Yeah, go on. No, we had turbulence. Okay. You... Yeah, I know. What to... I hate turbulence. Yeah. Well, you know what's even scarier? What? When you're over the middle of the ocean. Okay. And the plane starts going down. And as it hits the water, you think, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. You don't die. Okay. What do you do? Well, you come to. Yeah. The plane's slowly filling with water. Yeah. You're surrounded by bodies. You swim out of the plane. Yeah. A seat has been dislodged from the plane. You get on that seat. You float for about a day. <laughs> it wouldn't float. It's a floating seat. Okay, yeah. Blow up shit. Yeah. Did it have a little drinks holder in it with a one of those cups with a straw that goes straight it to your did. mouth? It did. Yeah, was yeah. a can of Coca-Cola. That's yeah. what kept me hydrated for the day okay, in the sun. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting for rescue. No rescue came. Yeah. 
It got me to a desert island. Mm-hmm. I was on this island, right? Mm-hmm. I wash ashore. I'm the only person, the only survivor of the flight. Mm. I didn't talk about it a lot. Why? Because, you know, heroes don't say they were heroes. Okay. Um, was there an option where I could have saved other people? Yes, but mm. I thought it's best to make sure there's one survivor of the flight to give people hope when they read the story. You don't want to half survive as well. You want to be fully healthy. When yeah, yeah. Survive. You know, it's always... a. The saddest thing is reading about an airplane crash and everyone died. If you mm-hmm. read there was one survivor, you think that's amazing. Is he a superhero? I want yeah. to be that guy. So I'm on the I'm on the beach. I um I make a hut. I live there for a couple of years. I'd eat fish. You know, it, it was pleasant. Eventually, a plane flew overhead. I'd written SOS in the sand. Mm-hmm. They didn't come to rescue me, but I I. Out of the plane, there was a volleyball. This is, yeah, he's doing Castaway. Yeah, and then you drew a face on it, made friends with it, came back, and Harry had actually met someone else (laughs) and left you. Is that where this ends? (laughs) You came back and she was married to Jodie. (laughs) Jodie had changed the name of your daughter because he didn't like it. (laughs) No, in Castaway, he marries his, she marries his dentist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Harriet's de- Harriet never has good relationships with her dentist. So okay. if she were to marry someone, it would not be a dentist. Okay, but this isn't Castaway, so she marries the podcast producer. <laughs> you know what? If you're not going to listen to my story, <laughs> no, we'll I am listening. No, I just find it fine. bizarre that for hours in this podcast, with us looking trying to make things interesting, the amount of dead air and crap talk. You've never mentioned this amazing story, which, in my opinion, could have based a whole podcast, a hit podcast on. Well, I right, I really thought it could have been a movie. Yeah. Like a hit movie. Yeah, and everyone said no. Maybe, well, I well, I had this idea Tom Hanks plays me. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's so angry at the moment. He knows you're going around saying this. No, no, no. They made it. Do you okay. know what it's called? What's it called? Castaway. Yes, okay. Based on my life. Well, so he was seven. Well, I was a boy. Yeah, I was a boy. That wasn't mentioned in the yeah. story. I was a, a small boy yeah, yeah, yeah. when the plane crashed. That's how I got out the window. I, okay. I slid through. Slid through. <laughs> Whereas all the fat old people didn't. They they, they, they drowned. Died. Yeah, they okay. drowned and died. You know, uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, gave a reading. Personally, I don't. No, he gave, a, he gave the eulogy at Evil Knievel's funeral. I didn't know that. Yeah. 7,500 seat funeral to make it sound like an event. <laughs> well, I love the fact that someone like Live Nation, even till the end, is just monetizing his funeral. <laughs> they should. 100 pounds a ticket. Let's do this. 60 40 split. Yeah, that's so McConaughey to be there for like the American hero, you know? Yeah. He absolutely loves it. He, uh, you can tell he voted Trump, McConaughey. I don't think he voted Trump, but he wouldn't say he didn't. The other guy is a guy called Robert Howard Schuler. Um, was a Christian televangelist. I love them. You know, the TV Christians. They're, they're great. <laughs> they make so much money. I, I'd be, I'd say whatever. I don't think they're bad guys. I, I'd appeared in my life where I was a Christian and we, I, I, you know, I dabbled in television. Wait, did, were you a Christian? Uh, from the age of 13 to 21, I was a Christian. Really? And I did a tour of the deep South in America where I preached the good word. Did you? No, this is all bollocks. <laughs> this is all absolute lies. Robert Schuler's written 30 books. You thought I was a Christian? I don't know. You could have been. You're so gullible sometimes. All his books were called You Can Be the Person You Want to Be, Self Love, Move Ahead with Possibility Thinking, Way to the Good Life, 
Your future is your friend. Yeah, that, these you are all the, some of these self-esteem. These, these are all the books that made evil can evil die. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. Like, Life's not fair, but God is good. Well, this is good. I might have to get. We should buy some of these. Don't throw away tomorrow. Nice. Well, he's an inspiring guy. Um, it's kind of funny that like his friend was a guy who just drives stuff over, over trucks. But there you go. Yeah. So, would you, okay, you wouldn't jump a car. No. Would you drive the speed limit? Yeah. But you always drive at but least. I, what, it's funny about this is since you've learned to drive, and you've always said this to me, on your tour you were driving every day, you are as slow as if, if not slower than me. I am not slower than you. You are as slow then? No, you are slower. And then every five minutes we look at the map and it's like a big loop, meaning you've gone the wrong way. <laughs> not true. So we add on. I reckon that we added on about 25 hours. So now you're complaining about spending time with me. No, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't say it was bad 25 hours. I just said it was 25 hours. But you drive as slow as me. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Red. This is another case of Bobby doing something and then just projecting. Red. Mm-hmm. Do I drive the speed limit? Yes, I do. Well, but what? You drive like 60 on the motorway. You're not, you know. You drive 50 on the motorway. I do not. That's you not do true. so. I do not. And because you don't have your glasses, you lean on the steering wheel in a way that makes it <laughs> scarier than if you were driving 100. You lean onto the steering wheel. How many times have we had to loop back around because you've gone the wrong way? At least 10. Yeah, at least. At very least. But also... And then you do this thing where... Because I think you might be a bit dyspraxic, actually. Uh, We go into the petrol station. Bobby doesn't... He goes, ah... Like, the McDonald's and this is all very very confusing. confusing. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah. So, I do drive slow, but you do too. I have no problem with it. I don't like people driving fast. I got in the car with Josh Weller the other day. Maniac. We drove to Wales together. No, no. You're trying to move on. I can't move on Okay. Many of the many mm. of the times mm-hmm. that I took wrong turns, that was you telling me it would be in a roundabout situation. You'd be looking at the map, also us trying to trying to help, which is nice, but not really helping because you'd say it's this exit. I'd take the exit. I'd listen to you, my friend, my trusted opening act. And what would it, what would you do? Guide me the wrong direction. I don't remember if doing it that. was we had maps. Up, you shouldn't need my guidance. If it was up to you, we would have never made it to those shows because you pointed me the wrong direction every time. <laughs> Maybe I didn't want to do them. Well, that's fine. <laughs> In nineteen seventy one, Contis agreed to pay five hundred thousand dollars to bomb hoaxer slash extortionist Mister Brown who was later arrested. This story is great. Okay. Because Mr. Brown was the first guy to think, hey, what if I call and I say there's a bomb on an airplane and I tell them I'll blow up the airplane if they don't give me money. Okay. And it worked. Amazing. So they just wired it to him. Oh, it gets better. Okay, okay, brilliant. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to dive in because so... His real name is Peter McCary. He was born in Devon, mm. where you're from. All the all the smart guys. His plan was to extort an aircraft, and it was inspired by the 1966 TV thr- thriller film The Doomsday Flight. The film depicted a bomb-equipped 
with an altitude-sensitive switch being hidden inside an airliner, Mm -hmm. meaning if the plane goes below a certain altitude, the bomb explodes. Macari viewed the film in Townsville in March of 1971 while traveling inside what witnesses described as a fitted-up van. Mm -hmm. Now, is Townsville near you? No, I don't think this... Townsville sounds like somewhere in America. It's in Australia. Okay, so it's Devon, Australia. Is there a Devon, Australia? No, no. Oh, he's He's, from Devon. He was in Australia. He was in Australia. Okay. According to witnesses, after watching the film, Macari stated, That would be a good way to make money. (laughs) He was really right away very vocal about what he wanted to do. With the plan beginning to form, I mean, the plan didn't begin to form. He just... Copied an idea. He just watched a movie and said, I'm going to do what they did in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He traveled to Mount Isa in April, where he befriended a miner called Francis Sorahan, who stole Gielignite and a dozen detonators for him. On May 11th, Macari bought an altimeter, an instrument used to determine the height of an object above a certain point. Macari then offered... Uh, Pointing $50,000 in exchange for help with the extortion. Now, Pointing agreed and typed out three threatening letters. I don't know why Macari couldn't type out the letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This new guy in to people, type people three letters. People always like to have an accomplice, though. They detailed the instructions for the ransom and warned that the bomb would explode if the plane descended below 20,000 feet. The three letters were later discovered in a locker at Kingsford Smith International Airport, along with an explosive device consisting of an unprimed gelignite that could be detonated at a set height using the altimeter. Okay, so, I mean, this guy knew what he was doing. Now, according to Point... His name's horrible. According to Pointing... Pointing. 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 Yeah, Pointing. 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 Fucking hell. <laughs> Macari initially asked of her help on how to build the explosive device. However, Pointing stated that he did not know anything of electronics and that Macari apparently got the dev- advice elsewhere. Okay. The night before the hoax, on the 25th of May, Pointing drove Macari to the Hertz Depot in Alexandria, Australia, where they stole car keys belonging to a Volkswagen Combi later used as a getaway vehicle during the extortion. Macari had initially planned to extort a Pan-American jet, but he found that Flight 755 from Sydney to Hong Kong was the only flight that would stay long enough in the air to make the plan work. So he did his research. So he, the idea was he's going to make it look like he's got a bomb. Yeah. And then he's going to say, that plane's in the air for like 10 hours, then they have time. To get the money to him before the plane has to go down. Yeah, 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 okay. So, around midday, 26th of May, 1971, Mikari, under the alias of Mr. Brown, called the Australian Department of Civil Aviation, where he told officials he had hidden a bomb on board a Boeing 707. To prove he wasn't lying, he told authorities there was an identical bomb located in Locker 84 at Kingsford Smith International Airport. So he actually put the only bomb he had was in this locker. Yeah. They go to this locker. They're like, oh, shit. So they find the letters. They find the bomb. 
The first letter was ad addressed to Captain R.J. Ritchie, a general manager of Qantas. The letter demanded a $500,000 ransom in exchange for instructions on how to dismantle the bomb. The second letter repeated that an identical explosive was hidden inside Flight 755, and the third letter warned that the bomb would explode if the plane should de descend below 20,000 feet. So he's laid out his case. He's not even there, although he did call and they heard his voice. And he's a British guy in Australia. Okay. So that was a mistake. He couldn't put an accent on. No. Could you? No. But why didn't you get a pointer to, to do the, or pointer to do the I don't voice? know. The bomb was then taken aboard a second Boeing 77 to test whether the device would explode during its descent. That seems like a bad plane to have to fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm. they put the pla they put this bomb on a plane and they're like, ah, listen, if it's yeah, they can't have told the pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go for a go for a flight alone over the sea. Yeah, fuck that. He's probably on like fifteen thousand dollars a year. Oh, they defused the bomb. Okay, and replaced the explosives with a light bulb. Oh, uh, right. Okay. So yeah, the plane's in the air. He does his trick. It works. They give him the $500,000. But then he he gets away. Yeah. And he's gone, right? Like, they don't know how to find him. The next day, on the 27th of May, a reward of $50,000 for information leading to his arrest was offered to the public. And police received over 14,500 calls regarding the award. But that's just people being like, um, I'd like the money. It happens every time. I literally, if there is a reward for an arrest, I might just go get a, like, look on names on my Facebook, pick a name, mm. and just say that name. Because it's like a lottery, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You're literally I saying, hope to get like, the right. Well, they're always getting hoax callers when this happens. Did I tell you about when my sister lost her wedding ring? No. She lost it, and she thought she lost it at the train station. And so in Wandsworth train station, they put up a thing saying, and it was like a family heirloom. It was my sister's husband's grandma's, and sure. your granddad had made it. And they put a poster up in the train station saying, we've lost our ring, da da, da. Anyway, they got a call at like 1 a.m. And this guy was like, hello. And they're like, hello. And he's like, your ring's gone to Mordor with Frodo. <laughs> my sister couldn't hear them, so she kept going, what, who is this? And he goes, your ring's gone. And then he like lost his patience and went, your ring has gone to Mordor with Frodo. And it just hung up. <laughs> and they could hear people just cracking up in the background. But I'm sure there was a lot of that for this, you know? I mean, what happened was the police brought in these phonetic experts who mm. know how to tell where people are from. Mm. You know, and I don't really even think you have to be an expert to mm. listen to a British guy speak. Yeah, yeah, And they'd yeah. be like, I think he's not from here. Mm -hmm. They determined he was uh, likely from the Midlands. Which okay. He wasn't. He's from Devon. So they didn't get that right. No, no. And uh, likely a recent English migrant, probably based on the fact that his accent was very, you know, classically mm -hmm. British. And then they just narrowed it down and fucking got him. Well, I just turned up. He's there with 500,000. He's there getting to, in his new house with the swimming pool. Well, they didn't find all the money. They found $138,240 of it. Maybe yeah. Puntintata has the rest of it. What, uh, did, he get, did he get much jail time, dare I ask? What he, he, I think he got, he got 15 years, eligible per, for parole after serving nine, and then he got deported back to the U.K., 
and uh, he was later reported to be running a fish and chip shop in England bought by his brothers. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, quite the life then. I wonder if he's still alive. Guess what he did before, though? What? Fish and chips. So he went fish and Mm. chips. Yeah. Mm. Bomb hoax, prison, fish and chips. Yeah, fair enough. He uh, he rolled the dice and he lost, but you never know. And also, was it bought by his brothers? Yeah, or was it bought? Yeah, by the magic money. Yeah, the three hundred and eighty grand that they never found. Yeah. Well, good good for him. It's funny that you yeah you pick those films to do a heist. Have you ever seen that really confusing film, The Thomas Crown Affair, where he Piers Brosnan robs the artwork and he gets everyone to wear a hat like him, and so they can't. And there's thousands of like people wearing hats in the same outfit as him in the gallery, so it's too confusing for the detectives who are trying to catch him. And I'm watching it, and you're like, you literally paid, like, 300 people to be extras for this elaborate prank, but now you've got, like, 300 more witnesses. Do you know what I mean? As if you could just round up the guys who are pretending to be you, if you're the cops, because they probably run £100 a day and go, "Who, who paid you to do this? Yeah, that that would be the real question, is who paid you to do it? Yeah, but it's this elaborate prank. But i just love to see someone watch that film and go, I'm going to do that in real life. You know, some guy who runs a fish and chip shop, knows about 10 people, gets his family to dress up in bowler hats and suits. Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw the movie Armageddon. I was like, man, yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> break open an asteroid and yeah, save the drill planet. Yeah, drill a hole in it. Um, Well, that's very good. Yeah. I don't know. I've always wanted to con someone, but mm. we've talked about it, but I don't know. How to do it. Yeah, it's hard. You have to have mm. a lot of courage mm. to be a con artist. Well, we talked about before that great guy who had the car park for years. Yeah. He, uh, there was just a bit of land in Bristol and no one knew who, no, no, who it was. It was between like a theme park and a cinema. Mm. And he got the idea because someone was like, do you, do you own this car park? And he went, I don't know. And then he thought, maybe I do. And he just set up a box there. For 15 years, he just took money from everyone who came in. So they just parked and no one knew. And didn't he go to Thailand? And go yeah, away? he just disappeared. He just went to Southeast Asia, made millions. Because he just sat there. I think the council one day went, they, you know, the the theme park were like, we want to buy a bit of this as well so we can own a bit of the car park. And the council like, well, we don't own it. And we thought you owned it. And they were <laughs> like, oh. Well. And this guy just lined his pockets and went and lives in Thailand somewhere. That's great. Probably bought like a 10-bedroom house. Victimless crime. Yeah. And you go, how do you have so much money? I, I, I just saw a field. Also, if people would have parked there for free, mm-hmm. the theme park would have been like, we don't like this. They would have realized they yeah. owned it. It was only because he said he owned it. No one yeah, checked. Yeah. Just a bit of land. So that was a, that's a great con. So, yeah, no one was hurt, really, you know? Yeah. Because the people were willing to pay to park. They would have paid either the theme park or the council. And he thought, why not just me? Yeah. He must have just sat there every day. The first few days, he's like, well, this isn't going to last. And then the years must have dragged on. And then at one point, he's like, right, time to get the fuck out of here. It would have all been cash as well. And he wouldn't have paid a penny of tax. All no tax, no overhead because he mm. actually doesn't own the land. Mm. How do you get cash? Because you obviously can't just put cash in your bank and people go, "Well, you launder it." But you know what I mean? It's like, how do you? Well, you can. It's just you can only put ten grand or just under ten grand without the mask. Foreign accounts, right? You get a Swiss bank account or something. Yeah, you just go to tax havens and shove your money. But in what there. with a suitcase full of cash? Mm. Fuck. 
Yeah. Is that not really dark? But like, what they stop you in the customs? at the airports? They do, but you get a boat. Whatever you charter a boat. If you mm. have that much money, you can do it. You know. Yeah. You can do anything. Fucking hell. I think. Also, if you're not like a known criminal, they're not keeping their eyes on you. you yeah. Can put the money in a bank account. No one's going to check Mm-mm-mm. unless you get audited. They're not going to know. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, and I suppose in Thailand, you could get a bank account out there. Oh, yeah. They don't care where your money's coming from. No. So I suppose you bury it and then you keep flying back and forth. 1971 was a crazy year for airlines, though, Red. That's what you don't realize. Mm. So Peter McCarry, a.k.a. Mr. Brown, did that. But then Lanza Flight 508 crashes. Okay. One survivor. Fuck. Like me. Like your story. Like my story. Her name? Julianne Kupke. And this is her story. Okay. On Christmas Eve, 1971, Kupke flew on Lanza Flight 508. She was about to graduate from high school. Her mother, Maria, had wanted her her to return to Penguana with her daughter. <laughs> you always laugh because I pronounce things correctly. <laughs> On the 19th or 20th Pink of December 1971. But Cupkey wanted to attend her graduation ceremony in Lima. On December 23rd. Maria agreed for Cupkey to stay longer. Instead, they scheduled a flight on Christmas Eve. All flights were booked, aside from this one. Her father, Hans Wilhelm, urged his wife to avoid flying with the airline, which had a poor reputation. Okay, yeah, you can see why. They booked the flight nonetheless. The plane was struck by lightning. Not their fault. No, no, it isn't. The plane began to disintegrate in midair and plummeted to the ground. Kupke found herself still strapped her seat, falling three kilometers into a Peruvian rainforest. Fucking hell. In Kupke's case, experts credit the fact that she was harnessed into her plane seat during her descent for her survival, though not without breaking her collarbone. She was the only survivor of the flight. She spent most of her 11 days in the rainforest making her way through the water. What? So she climbed down from the tree and was just in a rainforest. Fucking hell. Well, in the jungle, she dealt with severe insect bites and a maggot infestation in her wounded arm. (laughs) But after nine days, she was able to find an encampment. She gave herself rudimentary first aid, including pouring gasoline on the maggot infestation. I didn't know you could do that, did you? No, but it makes anything to kill the... It makes sense. But yeah. if I had an open wound with maggots in it, I don't know if I'd think to pour gas. Yeah, I would. It. Anything to sort of... You, oh, that's yeah, such a... I would. I would. I would have thought of that. 100%. You would have, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The maggots vacated the wound to escape the gasoline. Mm-hmm. It worked, mm, yeah, as you knew as, it would. As I knew. No a few surprise hours... for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> a few hours later, the returning missionaries found her, gave her first aid, and took her to a more inhabited area where she was airlifted to a hospital. Those missionaries must have been like, 
you know, you just spend your whole life wanting to do God's work. And you get the chance. And you get the chance, and you're like, we saved someone. Yeah, lucky it was good missionaries, not bad. You know, imagine if it was some weird cult, like... She crash landed into what was that guy called the Jonestown Massacre? Just yeah, as he, yeah, yeah. Just as he's handing out the drinks. Ah, <laughs> uh, guys, I please. For fuck's sake. <laughs> After recovering from her injuries, she assisted search parties in locating the crash site and recovering the bodies of the victims. Her mother's body was discovered on January 12th, 1972. That's horrible. She moved back to Germany. That's where she was from. And recovered from her wounds. Mm. Like her parents, she earned a degree in biology and returned to Peru to do extensive research on bats. Okay. Her double survival story has been the subject of books, films, including her own autobiography, While I, When I from, Fell from the Sky. Good name. And a documentary by director Werner Herzog. Oh, yeah, he's great. Wings of Hope. Yeah. Herzog was interested in telling the story because of a personal connection he was slated to be on her flight in 1971. No way. But a last-minute change of plans spared him from the crash. Jesus. And so we wouldn't have had Grizzly Man or any of the... No, he was like Mark Wahlberg. He said, if I would have been on that flight, it would have went differently. Oh, God, yeah, because he was meant to be apparently him and his boys, and then they decided to go somewhere else. Um, who else? I think Seth MacFarlane, a family guy, apparently. I might be wrong. Um, was meant to be on the 9-11 flights as well. Really? Yeah, I, there was. Yeah, was that was that true, Jody? Thank you very much. Also, another one. Werner Herzog saved someone from a crash, a car crash in like two thousand and six. I can't remember a famous actor. Did he hit him? No, he be... ran into him and then. Saw Joaquin it. Phoenix. So uh, Werner Herzog actually saved um, Joaquin Phoenix from a car accident. Really? Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Legendary filmmaker and two-time Simpson guest star. Well, he's done a lot. Recounted the last two incidents in an interview with the New York Times. When asked by interviewer extraordinaire David Marquez, who's writing this? David, David Marquez's brother. Whether he ever found <laughs> out who fired at him with an air rifle, her, so replied, I was shot at various times. You mean here in Los Angeles? Don't worry, sorry, that's all bollocks. Nothing to do with this. As for Phoenix, Herzog said that he recognised him. Um... He was upside down in his car, squished between airbags that had deployed and was wildly trying to light a cigarette. Fair enough. <laughs> he said, I knew he must not light a cigarette because there was gasoline dripping and he would have perished in a fireball. <laughs> so I tried to be clearly commandeering to him and tell him not to do it. But I was worried that if you gave him a command, he would strike his lighter even harder. So I managed to snatch the cigarette lighter from his hand and then it became completely clear that it was whacking. But I didn't want to speak to him after. I wanted him to come over and thank me. I just drove off. I saw he wanted to come over and thank me. I just drove off. So, yeah, that's that's crazy. Joaquin Phoenix says he heard a German voice telling him to just relax. And he said there's something so calming and beautiful about Werner Herzog's voice. The first person to say that about a German accent in history. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude. But imagine that. You just get crushed and you're just trying to wildly trying to light a cigarette. <laughs> So he's obviously got a thing about crashes. Yeah. I don't want to see him on the plane because it's number three is waiting, isn't it? You yeah. know what I mean? Well, number one and number two, he, he missed it. He helped someone else. Number three mm. is he dies. Yeah. Or no, someone else will die. <laughs> It'll be us. Yeah. Yeah. So we were going to have him on the podcast. Not anymore. No. Sorry, Werner. But that's a strange, uh, weird. It's kind of actually, why was he there all the time? You know? Well, we're thinking about 
It is worth thinking about. Definitely. And so that seems like a good film. I'm sure there must be... You'd think there'd be like a Kate Winslet movie about a woman stuck in a tree and then having to sort of wade through shit with maggots all over her. I'm checking to see if they've made a movie. It's a meaty role. There's a documentary, the one in yeah. the dark. But yeah. There's no movie. Mm. Well. Here we go again. I feel a certain kinship with her. Because we survived the same. You did survive the same. Your family wasn't on it. But they made a movie out of mine. Your, your Castaway. Castaway, yeah. It was, mine was more like, yes, sure. Your dad sadly couldn't be on the flight because he was flying his own spaceship to space, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, so he couldn't make it. But, uh, yeah, it must be also, not only in the shit situation, you're like, you know your mum's dead. It's, it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, but you're alive. Yeah, but does that matter at that point? I think it does. Being alive is key. Maggots, I really... it's 11 days. Yeah. That's a long time. She lived. I it took me twenty five hours to get to Thailand. I nearly gave up. And you were on and a plane. Was on a plane with food and water. I even had a pillow. I just was nearly like, "This is unbearable." So, what would you do? Let's say you're in this situation. You're in. You're in a chair mm. on a plane. It crashes. Yeah. In the jungle. Yeah. Would you just lay there and wait to die? No, I'd pull out my uh, pistol that I keep in my bag, and I just blow my own brains out. Well, the mistake you're making is mm. um, suicide because, in this case, the woman lived, so you could live. She did, but then she was ended up studying bats for the rest of her life. What's the point? Well, that's what she wanted to do. That was her yeah. dream. Is it some sort of a dream? You know, it'd be a good ending if she like. She was a biologist. Became an actress or something cool like that. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing. <laughs> the only thing cool in your mind is acting. Gotten into porn, you know. <laughs> That would have been cool. Yeah, but not bats. No, she's just written a book on bats. Thanks. <laughs> you know? It was probably like a talented young footballer on that plane that we never got to see. That's, well, I don't think she could, like... She Record an album. <laughs> if, you, if you die in that sort of circumstance, you surely go, I've, I'm meant to be here for more than just bats. That's not what she did. No, did she it? went, oh, it was just um, weird... But like probability, some weird, you know, she just went, oh, it's not, it's not, I'm not God given. I'd believe I was God given. I think I'd start some sort of movement. Yeah, I get that. Mm, Fair enough. In 1971, in Belfast, Mm -hmm. a Led Zeppelin show included the first public performance of Stairway to Heaven. My least favorite Led Zeppelin song. I'm not saying it's... The best Led Zeppelin song. Yeah. But the first time you hear that song? Boring. What? I don't like it. It's so boring. It makes me wonder. It takes about eight minutes to get going and then it ends. It's great. Really? Yeah, it's all about a stairway to heaven. Ooh, it makes me wonder. And then that the intro is so like... Yeah, but this was 1971. every arsehole knows how to play out on the guitar. Yeah, it's an it's a song that brings so many people joy at parties because you you know when you're at a party and then a cool guy brings a guitar and starts playing, you think this party just went from an eight to a ten. Well, there's a reason I don't like it. Not just because I don't like the song, but my mother hates this song because when she was at uh, college, the most popular girl in college made everyone 
she, they had like a end of year show, and her show was playing this song whilst walking down a staircase, and everyone had to throw petals over her. And my <laughs> mum was one of the petal throwers, and she said they rehearsed it for six weeks. And she was like, "This woman was the most narcissistic, indulgent piece of crap ever." And uh, and that song is just now just has negative connotations for my family. And I actually genuinely don't like the song anyway. Like, if it had been a good song, I'd be like, you know, that Black Dog song by Led Zeppelin? I'd say, Mum, sorry that this triggers you, but I don't care if this was playing whilst your village was massacred. I like this song. But Stairway to Heaven, I don't like enough to uh, betray my mum for. I think you're going to like it. Come on, Red. The algorithm won't pick it up and get this deleted if we talk over it. Just listen yeah, okay. to the song. And she's crying for someone to da da boring. Actually, makes me wonder why everyone likes this fucking song so Red, much. Come on, I don't think it's that good. Could you They've write got a better, better song? song? Probably, yeah. What would be your song? Elevator to uh, Babylon. That'd be the song yeah. you write. Yeah. Is that already a song? No. Okay, so your song's gonna be <laughs> Elevator to Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to this, but just more vibes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what happens? To, what happens in the song? Just a person going up the elevator, getting ready to go to Babylon, where there's a drinks party, there's nibbles. He's gonna have a great time. He can't wait. He's actually dead, but it doesn't matter because his life now is a drinks party. Also, it would be annoying. The, the annoying thing about stairs yeah. is you have to walk up them. So a stairway to heaven. It's like it should be at least an at least an escalator. Yeah, to yeah. I'm dead now. Send one of the angels down to fly me up. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Bricks. This is meant to be heaven. I don't want to have to walk up a big flight of stairs. Yeah. That shouldn't be my first thing I do in the afterlife. Why are there stairs in heaven? You know what I mean? There should be one of those moving floor things like at Heathrow. Yeah. <laughs> it should be flat. Yeah. And the ground should move when you want to move. Heaven should at least be as comfortable as an airport yeah. is what you're saying. We spent our whole lives walking around to get stuff. And now I, I behaved myself. I didn't do anything. Didn't nonce anyone. Didn't shoot anyone. Didn't rob any banks or what anything. A, what a high bar you're yeah, setting. Yeah, but now I'm in heaven and I still have to walk. Send me back down. I'm joining ISIS. This is a fucking joke. That would be my view on it. Okay. <laughs> the song's not growing on you at all. Not at all. It's too slow. It's too boring. <clears throat> I really... Actually, um... it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's not great. It's more just like... It, I could listen to it in a lift and you go, okay, yeah. In Alice, yeah, go in, stairway. I'm in the so, left. So, beat it, you. Mugs. Maybe in the song "Elevator to Babylon," mm -hmm. you're listening to the song "Stairway to Heaven," and mm -hmm. the song is actually "Stairway to Heaven." No, it's just a better version. No, "Elevator to Babylon" just starts with you being like, "I'm in an elevator to Babylon," and a song's playing right now. I wonder what it is, <laughs> and then it's just the song "Stairway to Heaven." No, it's not. It wouldn't be. It'd be its own song. I, I gotta say. No. Who do you think the dick of the year should be? I think Robert Plant for this bollocks. For ruining my mum's fucking college years. Red Richardson. And a, making heaven sound crap. A man who loves his own mother <laughs> so much <laughs> that he hates Led Zeppelin. No, I like Led Zeppelin. I like the back dog and all those songs. I just don't like this one. Okay. It's also eight minutes long. So, How hell do you think you are? Robert Plant. <laughs> yeah. Dick of the, the year. Dick of 1971. Yep. All right. Well, 
this has been our episode. It's been a bit low energy. I think we've both been tired. I'm all right. No, I was back late last night. But thank you so much for listening. And watching. And watching. We've thank got a great you. Patreon episode for you. Thank you to our super, super geniuses. geniuses. Christopher. Spencer. Matthew. We couldn't do it without you. And Spencer. The beloved Spencer. You said his name three times. Now. I know, but that's because I like him so much. All right. Well, until next week. Thank you so much. That was another episode of The Year Is. Thank you very much for listening. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review. It all helps. I'd like to thank our producer, Jody, And also I'd like to thank uh, Josh Weller for our intro music and song. It's, uh, it's very catchy. It's very nice. I'm sure you'll enjoy it at the beginning. So big thanks for Josh Weller. He's on Instagram at Josh Weller. Josh Weller. Follow him and uh, keep spreading the word of The Year Is. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.